Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Somebody say perspective. Look at your neighbor say perspective. Perspective is the reason why God put in my heart the vision to start TSP. Because the meaning of the word standpoint is perspective. There's a way you, you are seeing something. That's what perspective means. So when God put in my heart um, the name, the standpoint, I was wondering, it's not a common word that I use all the time. So I woke up from sleep one day, then I was still um, with um, Mama Idahosa in the house, you know. I stayed, I stayed in the house for um, some, some years, a few years, one, two years. And when I woke up in the morning, I heard standpoint in my spirit. And I started to pray. But I said, before I pray, let me look at the meaning of this word in the dictionary. So I don't run with something I'm confused from the start. So I checked the dictionary and I saw that standpoint means perspective. And then it dawned on me that God has called me to open the eyes of people to see life from a perspective. And there is a perspective with which everybody must see life. It is called the message. I hope you know the gospel, which is this message we are sharing with you. The gospel, it is definite article, one gospel. There are many stories in the Bible, many stories. But not all stories take you to the pinnacle of what the scripture is all about. The Bible says, Jesus was saying, that you search the scriptures... And you think in the scriptures you will find life. But the scriptures actually testify of me. So it means the essence of the Bible is Jesus. The essence of the Bible is pointing you to him. Imagine the scriptures as a big mountain. And round the mountain there are many parts to the top. But not all the parts will take you to the top. There are some parts that will take you probably to halfway the mountain. But there is only one path that will take you to the top or to the peak. It is that path that we call the gospel. I hope you know many people use the Bible for many things. You can find formula from scripture. You can find principle for righteous living in the Bible. You can find the principles for establishing godly relationships. Is it not true? It is in the Bible. You can find principles for developing a big organization from the Bible. You can find principles that build nations from the Bible. Is it not true? All these things are in the Bible, but that is not why the Bible is there. The Bible is there because somebody is about to be revealed. It is Jesus that the scripture is all about. Are you still here? So, the Bible is about a person. And that is your perspective. The perspective is the gospel. So, can we start with the scripture this evening? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 1. Many of us, our minds will break this evening. Say better amen. Our minds will break. Our minds will shift this evening. He says, I want us to read it together from from the scripture. One to go. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. No, no, that's, that's not all of us. This is not all of us. I want us to do all of us. I want all of us to read from the multimedia screen. Let's do it together. One to go. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, 
which also you received and in which you stand. Let's do it one more time. Want to go? Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Stop. It says what? The gospel. Someone say the gospel. The gospel is definite article. Definite article. There are many gospels, there are many messages, but there is one message. And it is what? The gospel. And unfortunately, not so many people know what the gospel is. So, he says, declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive, in which you stand. Now, this is where I'm going to go. It is one thing for you to receive the gospel. It is another thing to stand in the gospel. The gospel is not just like an information that comes to you. Because many people get the gospel like something you know. Unfortunately, many people think they know the scriptures of what the gospel means. As long as a pastor opens the Bible, you have assumed in your heart it is the gospel, the word of God. I'll bring it to you. No. The gospel is saying one thing. So there are many things you've been hearing over time. That is not the gospel. Revelation has progressed. Hmm? Revelation is progressive. So because you open the Bible and you intimidate me with big tie and big Bible does not mean you are saying the gospel. You have to understand the gospel. In this church, we understand the gospel. And you will understand the gospel. But beyond understanding the gospel, what is my aim? You will stand by the gospel. What does it mean to stand? Okay? In the gospel. To stand in the gospel is to see things the way the gospel sees it. And to hear things the way the gospel hears it. That's what it means to stand. Some of us don't stand. Some of us know the gospel with our heads. But we don't stand by the gospel. It says faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing... The Bible did not just say hearing the word of God. It said you hear by a word. There is the ear for the gospel. There is what we call the gospel ear. So that when you hear something, your gospel antenna goes up. This thing, this person is saying, is this thing gospel? Pastor Phil, I just had a dream. In that dream, they are pursuing me. What somebody has said to you, and what the Bible says. Okay, can I reverse and then start from Hebrews chapter 1? Because... I think we need to get a clear picture of this thing we're talking about when we say the gospel. Let's start from Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. It says, God who at various times, in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. By who? The prophets. The Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if a prophet is pro- uh, prophesying, he's actually prophesying about the testimony of Jesus. So the the spirit behind a prophecy should be the revelation of a person. Did you get what I'm saying? If I'm going to prophesy, what I'm going to do should reveal a person. So we call that 
That thing now, that is revelation. So before revelation is smoke in your head, revelation is not just smoke in your head. Revelation is person first. So are you are you following what I'm saying? Revelation is not dream at 2 a.m. in the in the night. That's not just revelation. Revelation is first a person. Are you getting what I'm saying? Revelation is first what? A person. It is the revelation of Jesus. So, the Bible says, God, who at various times, in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Let's move to the next verse. Has, when now? Talk to me somebody. When? In these last days, in our time now, before, in the Old Testament, Old Testament, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the Psalms, the prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets. And then you have the conclusion of the Old Testament. You have many years that pass between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There is a period of silence, the dark age, before Matthew begins. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Synoptic Gospels, and John, they are like the introduction of the person who is about to come. When, when John saw Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh the sin of the world. Many prophets prophesied about the coming of Jesus. So therefore, the purpose of scripture is to reveal somebody. Are you following the trend of scriptures? So the trend of scriptures is that the gospel is the revelation of somebody. And if this thing does not sit in your spirit, you will miss the gospel whenever you hear other messages. I want your antenna to go up. Because this is what I did. Anytime I hear people preach, my, my gospel antenna is up to know if this is before the cross. Huh? Of the, if this is what? After the cross. Because where you are now is after the cross. You are not before the cross. Do you understand? Because New Testament is a spirit. is the spirit of a covenant. Not the right hand side of Bible. Abi? Oh, Old Testament is not the left hand side of the Bible. Alright? So it says, has in this last day spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Now, the Bible says, now in these days, that whatever God is saying, he has spoken to us by his son. So it is about the son. About what the son is saying. That is why on the mountain of transfiguration, when Jesus was standing, the prophets, who was the prophet there? Elijah. Who was the other person there? Moses. What does that represent? The law and the prophets. And when Jesus was conversing with both of them, what happened? As he was praying and he was talking, the Bible says that Elijah and Moses disappeared. And then Peter now opened his mouth to say, Father, let us build three tabernacles here. What do you think Peter was trying to say? Peter was trying to say that let us build one for Jesus. One for who again? Moses. Another one for who? Elijah. You want to mix Jesus with law and the prophets. You know what God did? He made sure the two of them disappear. You must fade. The two of them faded. And then a voice came from above. I said, this is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Hear Jesus. So, before you hear any revelation. Pastor Phil, I had a dream. And in this revelation, they were pursuing me. 
let some things disappear. Hear Jesus. Hear Jesus. Hear Jesus. What has Jesus said about you? You see, they are pursuing me with sledgehammer. <laughs> In my dream. Look. The last time I saw those things pressing me in my dream was when I knew who I was. And when I knew that demons obey instructions. One of the traits of demons is obedience. (laughs) They are very obedient. If you say sit down here, they will sit. As long as they know, you know. Are you getting what I'm saying? The sons of Sceva, you remember now. We've talked about this. You remember the sons of Sceva? Sons of Sceva came. They wanted to cast out demon. They say in the name of Jesus that Paul is preaching. Get out. The demon looked. He said, wait. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Uncle, who are you? The issue is that Those demons did not say, Master Jesus, I know. Paul, a servant, I know. No. The same place he placed, those demons placed Paul. It's the same place they placed Jesus. They knew the name of Paul. You think these principalities don't know your name? If you know, they know you know. And they know your name. Of course, the rest is history. Before anything hits your mind that you call so-called revelation and begins to produce fear in you, the first thing you must do is ask yourself, how do I hear with gospel ear? What, What you have heard will pass through your natural ear and it will go to your brain if you don't interrupt it in the spirit. It forms the interpretation of what it is wrong. But if you have the inner ear of gospel, you check, that's why the Bible says comparing spiritual with spiritual. You say, which one is on point? This one is not on point. So therefore, this thing has to drop. Before it stands as a stronghold in your mind, you pull it down. You see, the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are mighty through God. To what? The pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. And everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Bringing it into what? Captivity. To what? The obedience of Christ. And I taught you before that it is not you who obeyed. You are bringing these things to the captivity. To the fact that Christ obeyed. It is because Jesus obeyed. That is why that dream cannot work. They say you died in the dream. What is the gospel here? I'm dead in Christ. That's the way to look at it by gospel. No, this is how we reign in life. Because the way many of you behave, you make Satan look as if he's more powerful than God. So why did Jesus come? If he took the keys from Satan. He said he destroyed him that had the power of death. Alright? And he gave you victory. Jesus used Satan's weapon to kill Satan. He used death to kill death. Hallelujah. Is that not what David used for Goliath? 
Keep me back on the scripture. That's what he used for Goliath. But you see, these revelations will come in your head. Many of you, now, I need to say this. What is in your head is not God. (laughs) Many of you, what is in your mind is not God. The Bible says in Peter, it says, get your, the loins of your mind. Looking unto the grace of God that is to come to you. By the revelation of Jesus. He says you must guard your mind. You must protect the loins of your mind. And I told you that the belt of truth is saying one thing that God is gracious to you. Because the message of truth is the grace of God. What is in your head, most of us, it is not God. It is our parents. You know, many of us grew up believing that the way we do right is by repercussions. Repercussions made us do right. If our fear was the tool to make us do right, that is not God. Because some of you are thinking that the way God is, I have to be careful with God. This God that we are talking about, he can do and he can undo. He can kill and he can unkill. This, you don't know God. You don't know God. The Bible says God is rich in mercy. It is not God that is in your head. Many of us, you know, many of us think that God, before God releases something to you, you have to praise him. When you praise and praise and praise, as you are praising, he's swelling. As you are praising, he's swelling. It's not God in your head. It's KBAC in your head. (laughs) It's not God. It's KBAC that is in your head. It's not God. (laughs) That as you are beating the drum, God is looking. He's looking. As you are beating the drum, you are, you are touching him. He's now swelling. He's now swelling. Then he will now do. You think that's God? We don't praise him to do. Is God going to do for you? <laughs> perspective. 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 Your eyes will be opened. No. God is not going to do what he has not already done. He said, in these last days, he has. See, he says, spoken. It's past tense. The things concerning you has been said already. They've been concluded already. Is God going to bless you? He said, let me praise him so that when he swells, he will now make up his mind. <laughs> so, that, so that you have defined God in your head. He's the God who moves when you have sweat. By dancing and by... Are you getting it? We don't praise him to do. We praise him because he has done. That's why we praise him. It's perspective. Somebody was telling me one day how... How that God is schizophrenic. Say God is schizophrenic because God... God kills. He's mean to those he loves. And at the same time, he loves those he's mean to. The way he said it made it look like he was deep. Nonsense. He said he's mean to those he loves. And he loves those he's mean to. I said, what are you saying? Think about what you're saying. (laughs) I don't understand. I don't understand. 
Because what we have in our minds is not God. All those pictures. You know when the Bible says, don't carve for yourself graven image. Huh? Don't carve for yourself what? Graven image. That shall not worship any other God except Him. Right now in recent times, we're not carving graven Im- images anymore. We are imagining. There's, there's an image in your head of who God is. And that is not God. You think God is a wicked person. God is not wicked. God is too loving. You say, somebody saying to me, Pastor Phil, God is putting me through wilderness experience. I am going through my wilderness experience so that I may learn 18 or 2. <laughs> so that I am approved of the Lord. Are you approved of the Lord? I'm not in a wilderness experience. One person was in a wilderness experience for me. And that's Jesus. There were two scapegoats. <laughs> the priest will take two scapegoats. One is for sacrifice. Another one is a scapegoat. That's, or there were two goats. One is a scapegoat, one is for sacrifice. The scapegoat is released into the wilderness by the hand of a fit man. It's called the fit man. He takes the goat and a red rope is tied on the goat. And then the goat is left in the wilderness for three days. This was practiced in the law. And the, the fit man will lead the goat up to a high hill and push the goat down. Because that goat is the representation of your sin that was taken away. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now that is the reason why when Jesus died, he said for three days. Because he had to, it was types and shadows. Are you getting what I'm saying? He had to fulfill what those things were saying. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the Bible says that, back to this scripture, it says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Look at the word. It says what? By his son. Say after me, say by his son. By his son. Say it louder. By his son. One more time, louder. By his son. The Bible says that, God now has spoken by his son. He didn't say he has spoken through his son. If I say God has spoken through his son, I'm saying that God through open God spoke as Jesus opened his mouth. That's what I'm trying to say. But God did not speak to you only by Jesus opening his mouth. He spoke by Jesus, not just speaking. So that the totality of the life of Jesus was Jesus talking to you. From the moment he was born to after the moment he said it is finished, he still kept speaking. Because when he went to hell, death, grave, and he spoke to those spirits in prison, and then he went, he collected the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He was still speaking. Let me give you an example. Let me bring this thing home because some people will not understand without practical examples like this. I know most of us do, but let me do this for the benefit of others. If you keep telling somebody, thank you Jesus for this example. This is anointed. If you keep telling somebody, I love you, I love you. You are speaking love, Abby. See, the response is stronger from there. You are speaking love, right? Yes. I love you. I love you. And after a while, 
I love you, I love you. It's just, it's like good morning. But, but, the Lord does some strange work in your life. And then, you take some money from your account, you go buy your girl. Amen. <laughs> buy her the latest range. And three months ago, you said, you know what, I won't be talking again. I won't say anything again to you. I'll just be doing. As I'm talking, this thing is sweeting some people now. <laughs> so the Lord does the work in your life. You buy range. And then you give to her. And then she begins to, Oh my goodness. Oh Lord Jesus. You did not say I love you anymore. But it was what so you loved by. Do you understand it? Now you have loved by the car. I love you, I love you. It's not what we are going to eat. Are you following? But now I know you love me by this car. So, what Jesus did, he did not just talk with you. Say, my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. That's not the only thing he did. He loved us by. He said, why we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. This is the gospel. So, it is his life that is speaking. Are you getting what I'm saying? From Gethsemane to the point Jesus got to the throne, it happened to... I don't know how long that took. But maybe four days or five days. But from Gethsemane to the point where Jesus got to the throne. The moment you came into Christ, it happened to you in a split second. So you were loved by. He said, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So what I'm trying to tell you is that you must see things from the ear of the gospel. Now let us go to the gospel. Back to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15. We read verse 1. Are you there? Alright. Verse 2. It by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believe in vain. I want the King James Version. I like the way the King James puts it. He talks about keeping in memory. Keeping in memory. He says, By which also you are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. The gospel must be kept in memory. I will say this again. The gospel must be what? Kept in memory. You must always remember. The gospel must be kept in memory. Because things will present themselves to you. How do you interpret them? Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? You have concluded that the will of God is by putting you through sickness. That is not the will of God. Because in the gospel, these things have been sorted out. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it is not the gospel. It is not gospel thinking. 
that says this thing is will of God. That's not gospel thinking. You must see with the spectacles of the gospel. Very important. What did God say concerning the new covenant? He says, their iniquities, their sins, I will remember no more. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. He says, I will remember no more. Everything that you think you have done, I will remember no more. Do you know they put God on trial? And why was God on trial? In Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, you see God on trial. God, explain to us how you say you have forgiven people their sins, future and past. Many people are still struggling with the forgiveness of sins when it comes to the future. That one is even elementary. Because from the cross, Going forward, the blood is speaking. Is that not so? From the cross, going forward. So it's easy to understand that your sins have been forgiven today and going forward. Those who were in the front of Jesus, those who came after Jesus, the blood is already there speaking for them. Because Jesus is not dying again the second time. But the question now is how is Jesus forgiving past sins that is the real question. The people who committed sin before he came, how did his blood go back and cleanse their sins and come forward to when he died and cleanse us going forward? How, so they put God on trial. And that's why the, the book of Romans, you will see where the Bible says that he is just and the justifier. Because he's trying to tell you that God is just in making the sinner righteous. And because it is my standard as God, I declare you righteous. So when he goes back from the grave, he begins to preach to all those people who had faith in God. As they believed in God, he snatches them out of that place. And by that, the blood of Jesus goes behind time and begins to speak. It is the unfailing mercies. It's what we call the sure mercies of David. The Bible says you are vessels of his mercies. You are vessels of his mercies. It's a pastor, you don't know where I'm coming from. If I tell you who I am, there are some sins that can easily be washed. My own is not easily washed. How strong is your own? How many people here have done this thing before? You see, I've made a covenant that if I do it again, let leprosy catch me. Let me disappoint you. Leprosy will not catch you. That's not God. That is not God. He said, the, the moment I do it, let me die. You are still here, sir. You are still here. I prayed that prayer too before. I said, Lord, if you catch me, in fact, the truth of the matter is sometimes they, they will not even catch you. You know what? Many church people are just, we just know how to hide. They didn't catch you. That's why you think you are different from the one they caught. <laughs> but you are just the same. See, don't, don't, don't pride in yourself. Because this blood that washed you, this blood that washed you, God is saying to you that you are righteous not because of you. You look at somebody who is a sinner and you boldly tell the person that you are righteous. He Yes, it is the God that we are talking about. 
That is what this gospel is saying. Go back to that Hebrews 8 verse verse 12. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. <laughs> he said, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. God says he will not remember your sin no more. Is God lying to you? He said, Pastor Phil, you are teaching the people to continue in sin. No, I'm not. I'm not encouraging anybody to continue in sin. But my point is, if somebody dashes you $2 billion, is there anything you cannot do for the person? That $2 billion has empowered your heart to love. (laughs) What are you talking about? See, whether I like you before or not, that two billion, all of a sudden you became fine. <laughs> all of a sudden, you became the most important person on earth. Because of that gift. Do you know what God gave you? He said, God is putting me through things. I'm suffering. God is putting me. Do you know what he gave up for you? So that's why I'm, I'm telling you what is in your head is not God. It's Amad your heart. It's in many people's heads. <laughs> It's not God. Some people are thinking, say, you, 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 in your mind, you feel that God is just waiting in heaven. You, you are here. I'm seeing what you are doing with the blood of Jesus. I'm waiting in the gate. Come to heaven and come and see if you will pass this gate. That is not God. That's not God. You think that the moment you fall, God is going to carry sledgehammer. You know when you use paka to kill ants? <laughs> that the moment you make a mistake, bah! my friend, can't you see Pastor Bello? That's your mind talking to you. You make a, you make another mistake, bah! come on, walk upright. No, that is not God. That is not God. I'm going to close with this. Do you know that three years? Before this guy manifested his true character, Jesus knew. They called him the son of perdition, Judas Iscariot. Jesus saw Judas Iscariot as well as he saw other disciples. He saw Peter. He said, Come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He saw John. He said, Follow me. He saw Luke. He said, follow me. He saw Thomas. He said, follow me. Jesus saw Judas. He was aware that Judas would betray him one day. Don't tell me Jesus did not know. He knew. But do you know the same investment he gave Peter, he also gave Judas. The same. This love that God has is a stubborn love. It's a love that will fight you until you bow. You are telling me, you say, Pastor Phil, addiction, addiction. See, addictions have melted in the presence of God's love. If you are looking at that love, you cannot be the way you are. Anybody who fights love, you see that you are worse than Satan, or I don't know who you are. (laughs) Do you know that Jesus was so patient until the moment Judas gave up? And even while, he called him friend. 
He said, that which you have to do, do it quickly. Because the, you know what the Bible says? It says, John was leaning. Because in those days, while they were having the supper, they would lean. Alright? They would lean. It was the custom of the Jews. They would lean and they would feast together. And when he said, one of you here will betray me. John asked Jesus, who is it? So it means that John was close by Jesus. So people say he was probably next to Jesus. And Jesus said, the one who dips. Alright? That, that, that bread into the cup. The one who dips. So it means that Judas was quite close. Jesus drew Judas close. Even though he knew. He, he never gave up on Judas. In John chapter 10, you know what Jesus said? That no man can pluck you from my hands. If I hold you, nobody can pluck you from my hands. Help me look for that scripture. John chapter 10. Somewhere in 10 verse 28 or so. Is it 28 or 21? He said, no man can pluck you from my hands. Have you found it? Glory to God. Many of you think that because of who you are, because of what you have done, because of the way you are, that you are not the type that is for God. Something is telling you that you are not the God kind of guy. You are not the God kind of girl. It is you God loves like that. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You think you can be holy as the Jews? No. The Jews... If you talk about righteousness, they did righteousness well. Covered their head from top to bottom. Jews did not dance Makosa. They did not watch MTV. <laughs> you get to what I'm saying. Many of us in righteous deeds, we were not as perfect as the Jews. But what did, what did, what did Jesus say? He said, except your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's a kind of righteousness by the Pharisees. He's not talking about that one. Do good, get good. Do bad, then you are a bad person. He said, my righteousness is not that type. The gospel is saying to you that you are righteous because of somebody else. He said, my father who has given them, go back to verse 28. Verse 28. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone. I want the King James Version. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. Neither shall anyone. The King James says, neither shall any man. You see the word man there? Man begins from you. You can't make God take you away. And you know what? Even Jesus cannot wake up one day to say, no, I don't want this guy. This guy is wasting my blood. These guys will say, after everything I did for him, see the, see the way he's wasting my blood. <laughs> I will block the power that is flowing to you. No. <laughs> no. Jesus is a man, right? Jesus is God, right? Even Jesus cannot make that decision that you are out of the Father's hands. So it says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. Do you know what Jesus said when he was praying? He said, no one have I lost. Not apart from the son of perdition. That it was preordained that he would go. 
But no other person. It wasn't the plan. No other person. If you are with Jesus, you are there for life. Whether you think you are a serious believer or you think you are not a serious believer, it is the same quality of love he has for Jesus. He also has for you. Who told you that it was Jesus who was calling John? The disciple Jesus loved. Do you know it was John who gave himself that name? When he was writing the book of John, John never called his name. John said, the disciple Jesus loved. No, check it. Luke, we say Luke. I, Luke, write unto you. Paul, we say, I, Paul, born servant, write unto you. Matthew, Matthew, son of the living God, whatever. (laughs) But when it came to John, you will never see John. The John you see there is probably John the Baptist. But not him who wrote. The one who wrote said the disciple whom Jesus loved. It is perspective. If you see yourself loved by your father, there is a difference between the way two children walk. The one who knows he is loved. And the one who knows that daddy is waiting with Cain. There's a difference. One is with confidence watching TV. The other one is sneaking behind. I don't know if you had a very interesting growing up. (laughs) If you had a very interesting growing up. But if you know you are loved, there's a way you will be. That's why you see this love thing. You know I told you before that education for all of us who will be parents tomorrow. Education is not the only thing that we're giving our children. In fact, it is not the most important thing. The one thing that you will give your kids that nobody can give is what? Value. When you see a father telling the son, this is who you are. You are my child. Do you know, when I was growing up, I believed that my father could buy the world. Who thought like that before? I pretend to say yes now. I don't know if you understand. I believe, I believed that there was nothing daddy could not afford. When I started growing up, I, I came to see. Are you following? I came to understand that there should be limit when you are asking something. But he infused worth in me that I just believe my dad is a superman. I will tell my father for you. He came from inside. Praise God. So let this mind be in you that you cannot be plucked out of the Father's hands. Let this mind be in you that you are righteous. You are the disciple Jesus loves. You are the Father's favorite. Somebody said if you are the only one in the world, he will still come to die. If you are the only one, he will still come to die. You are that special. Hallelujah. May this revelation sink in your spirit. I want to show you just one last scripture. Because the perception of God in your mind has to go in the way of the gospel. 2 Samuel 24 verse 12. 2 Samuel 24 verse 12. David messed up and see what was going to happen. Now God is sending the prophet or the seer. Go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. 
Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. Verse 13. So God came to David and told him and said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see this is punishment now. He said David should choose one out of three options. Let enemies deal with you. Let issues surround your life. Or you will see the next option. See what David chooses. And David said to God, I am in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercies are great. He said, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. David knew the difference between God and man. That's why I'm telling you that what is in your head many times is not God. God is not as wicked as you think he is. Because you do something bad, you are running away from God. You don't know God. If you know God, you will run to him. Because you have a picture of the wrath of God. See, the wrath of God is waiting for me. That's not God. The wrath of God was exhausted on the cross. On the cross. Do you know that every anger God will have for you, he put it on Jesus. The Bible says that he pleased the father to bruise him. God was pleased and he was satisfied. He said when he sees the travail of his soul, he shall be satisfied. When Jesus was crying in agony, God was satisfied. Because that wrath that came on Jesus was to come on you, but he took it all in. So you are telling me, Pastor Phil, God is angry with me. God, if God is angry with you, you, you will not be here now. Many of us don't know God. But may the revelation of God's love fill our spirits. Thank you. And the pleasure, where are we? He says, I am great in this. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. Next verse. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from morning and blah, 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 blah. Somebody is telling me, say, Pastor Phil, from the day I made that mistake, I noticed my life started to go down. Something went wrong. Something went wrong. No, it is your mind. You are not seeing the gospel in your situation. He said, Pastor Phil, that thing that I did, something died in me. You don't know God. Romans 11.29, if you have the amplified version. Have you seen people who are ministers of God and they say because of that mistake their ministries died? God does not kill people. God does not kill ministries. God does not kill gifts. He said, Pastor Phil, because of that one mistake I knew I blew my chance. Which chance? Look, look at it now. Look at it. Let's read it together. Everybody, let's read it together. It says, for God's gifts and his call, they are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. So you have to calm down on that thinking, okay? That, you see, since that thing happened to me, 
my life has not been stable again. God says, Israel, I want to lead you. I don't want you to have a king. Israel wanted to have a king just like other nations. God was saying, no, let me be your king and your God at the same time. Israel was saying, no, give us king, give us king, give us king. If you are God, what kind of king will you give Israel? Samuel, come, no problem. These people, they've rejected me, Abi. Let's find king for them. If you were God, what king will you give Israel? Hitler. <laughs> or, or Pharaoh. So that after two weeks, they will change their mind. God, Israel was supposed to be a priestly nation. A priestly nation. So that God will be directing them. There will be no king. They would only be priests. But he was supposed to be their king and their God. Israel said, no, we want king. What did God do? God still went out of his way to select the best. And he picked Saul. Saul was not a bad guy from the start. He was the tallest amongst them. He was fit for the job. And even when Saul messed up, he chose somebody who was after his heart. That's how God, in your disobedience, God will stretch to bless you. Ask God. Ask God. He said, Pastor Phil, you don't know what I've done. What have you done? What you have done, is it stronger than what Jesus had done? Let, let me say this way. What you have done, is it stronger than what Jesus done? It's not, sir. So calm down. Understand God and be at peace. Be at peace. You will pray well. You will sing well. You wake up in the morning and there is freedom in your spirit. And not feel you have to walk your way up to God to make him swell. Before he now accepts you and say, come my son. When you are standing with him. He said, I joined the angels to bow down before him. You are joining the angels. Do you know the angels? The angels, they have shifted their focus. The Bible says they are now looking into you. Who is now the new creation. They are observing you. What manner of creatures you are. They are seeing a new dimension of God. The Bible says of these things the angels desire to look into. And that is you. It's talking about you. You are sitting on that throne that the angels are bowing down to. You are sitting on that throne the angels are bowing down to. So, all, you know, I joined the angels to bow. You know, I told you before, angels are moving about on your course. You think it's a joke? Angels know they hear sorry. Or, I didn't hear you properly. As they hear command, they do their instructions. If an angel bows to you, it means you are greater. Say, so he made him a little lower than angel, but he has crowned him. Angels are confused. <laughs> this guy can't fly like me. But Baba, they send us on this guy's matter. We have to obey. Because as they see us, they also see Baba in us. Do you know who you are? Let your perception about God change. Your sins are forgiven. You have to know it. If you are in this ministry and you don't know, you are still worried about sin. Sin is not your problem, sir. Auntie, sin is not your problem. If not, what Jesus came for did not work. But if what Jesus came for worked, sin is not your problem. 
Right now, it is not the law, thou shalt not, that is motivating you to do and not to do. It is love that has become the new law. You, okay, you, ask yourself the question. Which one will you prefer? You are a parent. You are a parent. You are a father. You are a mother. You, ask yourself, when you have your kids, do you want your kids to love you because of commandment? No, wait now. Do you want your children to love you because you commanded them to love you? Or do you want them to love you because they just love you? Which one do you prefer? You, you. I'm not talking about God now. Do you want your children to make you happy because you wrote a law, you must make me happy two times every hour, three times on Saturdays. On Mondays, it shall be like this. In church, I shall be smiling when I see you. If you will not like your children to love you because of a law, and you want them to love you from their heart, how much more God? God says, I will write this testament, this law. I will put it in their hearts. How will I put it in their heart? I will command the greatest precious prize to me to die for them. When they realize Jesus as the greatest gift ever, their love for me will be a reciprocation. He said, we love him because he first loved us. I'm not loving God because somebody is telling me you must love God. I'm not stealing because somebody is saying thou shalt not steal. We will not commit adultery because somebody said you must not commit adultery. No. We do it because this is who we are. And we understand that this is provocated by the love of God. So this is the gospel. God is not a wicked God. Anything that makes you feel God is harsh. Debunk it. You must hear things by the ear of the gospel. You must see things by the eye of the gospel. If you are seeing defeat in front of you, how should you see with a gospel eye? This thing is working for my good. Why? Because God is gracious to me. That is my truth. That is my truth. All things are working together for my good. It is where I stand. It is where I am. It is my conversation. It's my conversation. So, Pastor Phil, you know, this thing has been happening over and over and nothing is changing. What do I do about this thing? I've prayed. I've, I've prayed. I've cried. Nothing is happening. The Bible says hope to the end. Bishop Festus said something today. He said, those who keep playing in the kingdom, when I mean playing, you are a key player in the kingdom. He said, those who keep playing in the kingdom, they don't truncate their celebrations. That for those who were key players in the kingdom and they stopped because of offense or because of discouragement, celebration that is in front of them doesn't come to them. Do you know God is training your faith? The reason why your faith is honorable is because you have gone through issues. And God gives you a medal tomorrow. And he says your faith, which is more precious than gold, has survived the trials and the testings of life. And because you have not lost focus in confidence in God, I will honor you. He said you are crowned with glory. When you are persecuted, the spirit of glory rests upon you. Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. He was not talking about um, um, killing the flesh for sin. No, he was talking about the burdens of ministry. I die daily. In shipwrecks, he's going to preach in a place. 
their shipwreck. He begins to trek. Suffering for the gospel. Preaching to people. They are stoning him. Snake bites. Insults. But he says, I'm taking all these burdens for the gospel. So don't think God's love will not be tested. It will. But let your number one mindset of the gospel be that because he gave his son on the cross, this is the conclusion of God's love for me. Not my situations. My situations are a false premise to judge how much God loves me. But if I look at the cross, I know how much he loves me. Hallelujah. So this is who God is. God is not waiting for you to make a mistake. God is not a nagging God. He's not a wicked God. He's a faithful father. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. So do we understand that this is who God is to us? He's gracious to us. Praise God. Lift your hands and say, God is gracious to me. Say it again. Say, he loves me. Hallelujah. I want you to just wave your hands and bow your heads and thank him for his grace towards your life. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.